I'm outside 100 Center Street where just a few minutes ago I got the green ticket that will let me in to the courtroom where Donald Trump will be arraigned in a couple of, couple of hours from now. Yep, that's me. You're probably wondering what deep journalistic skills and know-how it took to get just inches from the former president during this historic arraignment. How I beat thousands of other outlets from all over the world to witness history. It's because I did what comes naturally to most New Yorkers. I got online. This is the Hellgate Podcast. I'm Max Rivlin Nadler, a reporter here at Hellgate, a worker-owned local news website committed to covering New York City. And we're committed to covering New York City during its normal business hours. And when it becomes the center of the world, as it so often does, we're there too. So last week, we floated the idea, actually, of just like kind of taking the day off when Donald Trump got indicted. Uh, this was a national story with like way too much media covering it. But maybe, maybe there was like something missing from that coverage. It was a little after 12 p.m. on Monday when we got an email from New York State Courts alerting us that there would be some press allowed into the courtroom for the arraignment of former President Donald Trump on Tuesday. To enter the building, the email said, the press would have to line up across the street from 100 Center Street, where Manhattan's courts are. So I went down to check it out, and when I arrived, there were tents filled with media, people doing cable news stand-ups, you know, people protesting, selling some t-shirts, but there wasn't a line. I asked a few court officers where the line was, and they said, yeah, you know, there would be a line, but it hadn't formed yet. So I got an idea. I asked them if where I was standing would be a good spot to start it. And they said, well, you know, it's a free country. You could stand wherever you want, we guess. So that wasn't really helpful, but then a higher-ranking officer got involved. He took a look at me, and then he pointed to a spot 30 feet away. This, this I can tell was the signal for a line. I ran over that direction, but by then, two NBC News producers had beaten me to the spot. Still, because they were both from NBC, they only count as one news outlet, so technically, we were the second people online. And the line had started in earnest around 24 hours before the arraignment. Behind us, the Times lined up, the New Yorker behind them, Telemundo. But not everyone was really happy about there being a line so early. And, and us, we were kind of ambivalent. Yeah, covering this kind of thing was never really our plan at all. That's Hellgate writer-editor Nick Pinto. He came to relieve me after a few hours. When we were first talking about how to cover the Trump arraignment, our consensus was, let's not. But then... Max got his spot, and we ran with it. We were kind of like the dog that caught the car. How are we going to go from being a news outlet that focuses on covering things that other people aren't covering to covering the biggest story in the world that day? And was it even worth our limited resources to be in the courtroom for what's usually like a five-minute clerical procedure? Or could Hellgate once again find the edge here? Could we sell our spot in the courtroom to a slower-moving but overfunded news organization. Meanwhile, the line was growing longer, and people on the line were trying to figure out a way out of there having to be a line at all. This is uh, Frank Runyon for Law360. Can you just, you're the keeper of the list. Can you tell me how the list came into being? Uh, well, essentially somebody yelled fire, 
and the press stampeded to the courthouse because uh, we found out that there was a line forming to get into the proceeding 24 hours in advance. And so we were all trying to figure out how do we make order out of this chaos, and then the list came to be. On the one hand, we have this paper list. On the other hand, we have this physical line. What, like, how, do they, how, how do they operate together? Well, the list has numbers on it. If you look at there, it, I, I wrote them down. Um, and as you go down the list, every person uh, is represented by a name and an outlet. And so hopefully that will make sense to everybody. And so like in terms of enforcement mechanisms, what, like, what kind of power can be brought to bear here? This is the jungle. <laughs> Within a few hours, the journalists and television producers who had scooped up spots in the line began to be replaced. But not by other journalists who were coming to relieve them. No, these were mercenaries. You're sitting here in like a little micro tent that says that says New York City professional line sitters. What do you what do you get paid for a stint like this? So our rates are fifty dollars for up to two hours, and then twenty five dollars each hour after that. Now I only get sixty percent of that because I'm actually out in the field in the rain, snow, um, thousand degree weather. 10 below, I'm outside in line waiting for your wants. Uh, right now, I'm in line for NBC News, so that way they can get inside the courtroom and hear the proceeding with Donald Trump. And, like, besides journalists, what kind of, like, what other kind of situations? Uh, we've done the cronuts, we've done cookie dough ice cream, we've done everything, sample sales, you name it. If there is a line in New York, we're doing it. One of our most requests is Lou Cali because they have a reservation line, so we have to get there and put people's names down. And they... you're, you're talking about the pizza place? Yes, the famous pizza place that Jay-Z himself will go and rent out. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing about your job that, like, someone wouldn't know just from, just from, like, what you've said so far? Honestly, there's nothing weird that I can really say about my job other than if you ask for Adonis, you get your first 30 minutes free. <laughs> Amazing. All right, okay. Nick, I, I came to bring you hot chocolate and a donut around that time. Oh, man. That came at the right time and was very much appreciated. It's 5.30. It's getting cold. People are talking about the unfairness of the outlets that have the manpower to rotate people through while others are condemned to shiver in the shadows of the family court building as the sun fades. All right, so let's have some fun with chronology here and talk about your time in the courthouse. Because I wasn't the only Hellgate staffer to get into criminal court. You, you came back the next day after the line to cover regular arraignments. Among the things that I found super galling about the media circus around the Trump arraignment was that there was this courthouse absolutely choked with reporters chasing their tails for a celebrity event. And down the hall is arraignment part one, where New York's criminal legal system is just churning along as usual, and it's the ordinary parade of bureaucratically exacerbated human misery that arraignment courts in New York City always are that nobody ever pays any attention to. So my plan all along was to do a little counter-programming and sit in on non-famous person arraignments. And as you'd expect, it was heartbreaking and tedious and enraging. There were people who'd been arrested for hitting someone, but also people who'd been arrested on rinky-dink stuff. People getting released until their next court date, and people getting absurd bails set on them that they clearly could never afford in a million years, and getting led back into the cages to wait for a bus to Rikers. 
There was a woman who got another fight with her partner and uh, now she's got a protective order against her so she can't go back to where she's been living. And she gets released from the courtroom and she's just out in the hallway crying to herself around the corner from the whole media scrum. It was kind of bleak. While you guys were inside, I was outdoors, outside the courthouse, soaking up the sun. Hi, Chris. Hey, Nick. I relieved you at around 7 p.m. on Monday. There were some characters milling around. There was a group praying out in the street. Unclear who they were praying to. I, I tried to crane my neck and listen, but I couldn't leave my spot in line, so I was stuck. And then this guy, Dick, who was holding a sign, um, you a came up to me yeah, yeah. and we started talking. Uh, you're holding up a sign that says Ambivalence Boulevard? It's more of a mobile sculpture, but you can call it a sign. You're saying that um, we should be ambivalent about what's happening? Or? Yes. yes. Okay. And I am. Why? The ambivalent side would be that because the person that's going to be arranged is Donald Trump, that could lay in his favor to rally his base and uh, and I really don't think that America or the so-called free world needs another president like Donald Trump. How long are you plan on being out here tonight? Um, I'm getting a bit cold now. I'm going to have some supper and go up to Trump Tower and, uh, and then I'll probably come back here in the morning. So, I mean, I've been here three or four hours now. Okay. And, uh, I, it is a durational project. you got to kind of put your body on the line. Honestly, I had a camping chair, I had a thermos of hot green tea, I had a peanut butter sandwich and some snacks, so it was one of the best lines I've ever waited on. Okay, so you didn't get inside the courtroom, but how was your arraignment day on Tuesday? You were outside the courthouse with Esther. Yeah, we started the day in Columbus Park nearby, and then we sauntered over onto Center Street and we ran smack dab into George Santos and a massive crowd of journalists and hecklers who were following him around as he fled 100 Center Street. What's your skincare routine, dude? How are the maps going to do this year? How are the maps going to do? Across the street from the courthouse, the NYPD had set up two distinct free speech zones surrounded by metal barricades. On the south side were Trump supporters, dozens of them and lots and lots of media. They were there to hear Georgia Republican Marjorie Taylor Greene give a speech. Then there was like a divide of like 12 feet. And on the north side, there were counter-protesters and again, a few dozen of them, three reporters to every person on both sides here. But Brooklyn City Council member Sandy Nurse her colleague on the council, Chi Osei, New York City public advocate, Jumani Williams, and New York Congressman Jamal Bowman were all there to counter-protest. My colleague Esther caught up with them. So me and my homegirl, LJ, dreamt this up on a Saturday night over some beers, saying, hell no, she can't come to our city and movement just lets it happen. I see you, you have a whistle, you're holding a whistle in your hand. Are you yeah. handing those out today to people? Yeah, we're uh, seeing if people want to you know, drown her, out her noise. I'm just trolling today. I mean, we don't want this kind of energy here. We cannot let this this person come to our city and allow it to go unchecked. There she is. Marjorie! 
don't even see her. New York City stood up to Marjorie Taylor Greene to get today to let her know, get the hell out of here. Don't open one word in our freaking city. That's what it's all about. And we organized myself, Brother Jamani Williams, Sandy Nurse, Brother T, and the grassroots came here to make sure Marjorie Taylor Greene's know New York City is about love, and New York City is about light, and New York City is about vision for what this country can be. That's what it's all about. Um, Sandy, can I ask you, how did you think that just went? It's a success. We hit up everybody we knew, 150 whistles, and we just shut Marjorie Taylor Greene down for like 50 bucks. We also met this Trump supporter, Joe, from the Jersey Shore, who seemed a little disappointed with how everything went down. The man that I voted for president is getting screwed by, yeah. my, by my country. Yeah. I thought it would be a little bit more organized than this, to be honest with you. We got here at 10.30, we didn't even hear anything. She just left now, she's gonna leave, uh, yeah. it's like a, something waiting to happen in yeah. there. It's not gonna be a good thing, you know? So what happened was um, people, like I was saying earlier, people brought whistles. Apparently she, you know, hustled off the stage, she bundled into a car and drove off, wow. so. What do you think about that? I'm pretty upset about that, but she's New York City. She's afraid, I guess. I don't know. Sad. Hi there. This is Max Revla Nadler, a co-owner at Hellgate. I know you're really enjoying our podcast so far, but wouldn't you like even more Hellgate in your life? Subscribe. Hellgate is New York City's only worker-owned news site. Our goal is to bring readers stories that are trenchant, playful, outraged, irreverent, useful, and never a chore to read. Go to hellgatenyc.com slash products to subscribe. Okay, back to the podcast. Okay, we're back to late, late Monday night. So who took your spot in line? At 10 p.m., I was shivering a little bit. My tea was gone. It was time to go home. And my colleague Adlin was there and he relieved me and, and took my spot and resumed the watch. Yeah, so I got there around 10. I think people were starting to get into night mode and they were kind of settling down. I sat down, watched some YouTube videos. It was colder than I thought it was going to be. Oh, yeah, and then I went on and then suddenly there ended up being someone from Japanese TV uh, who came by uh, and interviewed me just about being in the line and Trump's arraignment and stuff. And then where were you on arraignment day? Yeah, so I was trying to get kind of like New York reacts to the Trump arraignment type of thing in Brooklyn. So I went to the Brooklyn Bridge Tourists, for the most part, either didn't really care or they were kind of like, yeah, my day was slightly inconvenienced uh, because of all of the traffic and stuff. Locals, you know, as you might expect, were like, yeah, Trump sucks, but I don't know what's what's really going to come of this. And yeah, for the most part, Brooklyn was going about their day. We got the cheapest souvenirs in New York. Come on, New York. Take a look. Come on, New York. New York. We got the hottest deals in New York. Have you been keeping up with the coverage today? At I was all? there. You were there? Yeah, but just, just walking through. It's a, it's a zoo. Actually, it's more of a circus. Word. How did, how did it go? How, what, what was some of the it was going? chaotic and boring, frankly. I'm a reporter. I'm trying to get some perspectives on the Trump indictment. Do you care about that at all? Uh, no. No, not really. 
happened okay. in Germany. We're just, we were a bit perplexed why there's so much fuss about it. But yeah. obviously, if it goes all the way, then it is a big thing. But yeah. Okay, so tourists kind of nonplussed. Uh, so who then relieved you from the line? Yeah, Katie came like a half an hour early because we were we were wondering what the bathroom situation was. But luckily, like people in the line were pretty chill. Like there wasn't like a danger of like stepping out. I came in hot. Let's let's just say I was I was I was out on the town, you know, as as one does on a Monday night. My twelve thirty to four a.m. shift uh, was me and the fellow peons. You know, it wasn't anyone who was going to be too serious. I would say my late night line experience was kind of like being trapped in an elevator, but everyone is being a good sport about it. It is one. 52. I am treating some guy my chips, cheddar and sour cream ruffles that Chris brought to Adlin uh, for a Diet Coke. I wish I could trade it for a lobotomy, but say la V. It's 3.07 a.m. I've already been quoted about selling our spot. God willing, someone actually buys it. I'm playing cards with a Telemundo reporter and a reporter from the New York Times. I'm obviously trouncing them. I have to thank God himself for sending Max at around 3.49 in the morning. I did ultimately be in the street after a smoke shop bathroom did not make itself available. Katie did, even though she initially waved off her leave when I offered it this morning. She might need um, a sub on the line and, and some shut eye. Yeah. But you've made the most yeah, of your time yeah. here. And who knows if I'm even going to go to bed after this. <laughs> She's going to go to the after hours line. I'll stand in anything right now. I'm just in standing mode, so. And as day broke in lower Manhattan, I, I stayed on the line and the people who had been line sitting for other people, the paid task rabbits were slowly replaced by reporters, well-heeled, rested. Um, They took their spots in line. And then we were given out in fairly orderly fashion our green cards to be able to get into the courtroom with Trump. Uh, This hasn't resolved some of the questions surrounding the line of who gets first dibs of going into that room. There's still uh, jockeying and acrimony, but feeling pretty good that uh, Hellgate has proven its point. Um, and might make uh, might make this a ticket available to the highest bidder, or, or you know, might go on in and uh, see see a bit of history. Uh, so, thus ends our our 18 hour vigil outside of 100 Center Street, and uh, now begins the the final sprint towards arraignment. And you know, there it was. We were holding the green ticket to get us into the courtroom, but really, at the end of the day, all we had gotten entry to was just a pretty simple courtroom procedure. There was a few more twists and turns to finally get into the courtroom, some more discussions over which was more important, the list or the line. Ultimately, Secret Service kicked everybody out of the courthouse at around noon, and we were all just left standing outside the courthouse wondering if the green tickets mattered and whether anyone at the court would care whether we were first in line on the list or whether we just had a green card. Ultimately, after two security checks, we were ushered upstairs to the courtroom on the 15th floor of 100 Center Street. 
The courtroom is just a normal New York City courtroom. Shabby, the paint is peeling from the ceiling. There's panels missing where the steam vents are. Court security officers were lining literally every single row of that room, as well as Secret Service being posted along the wall. It was like 45 minutes of just sitting there, kind of looking at our watches, being told repeatedly by court security officers that we weren't allowed to take out our phones or, at one point, quote-unquote, move around. And then the former president walks in, Donald Trump, the guy you've seen on TV. I've seen him at campaign events. He had his trademark yellow hair, which under the kind of incandescent light kind of glowed green. His face was more red than orange. And he sat there after lumbering down the aisle, just kind of bored. There's only visible kind of smirk came when we were referred to as professional journalists by a lawyer the Washington Post had sent in to talk to the judge about, you know, whether in the future when this does go to trial, the line or the list or anything like that could be avoided and we could work out a system beforehand. Trump himself uttered not guilty, which if you've gone to arraignment courts like Nick had gone to earlier in the day, that is like a huge no-no. You're really not supposed to talk in court ever. But obviously he's a showman. He wanted to get his voice heard in court. It went on for an hour. The prosecutors really laid out their case against Trump. You can read about that in every single newspaper. But the prevailing vibe in the courtroom itself was tense and ultimately a bit boring. Whether this actually all goes to trial, we'll find out. There's appeals that Trump is pursuing And right now, the next date on the calendar is sometime in December when presumably he'd be in the middle of running for president again. At the end of the hearing, he lumbered, unamused, down the aisle. It was time for Trump to head back to Mar-a-Lago. Thanks for listening to the Hellgate podcast. Hellgate is a worker-owned, subscriber-funded news outlet covering New York City. Support our work by subscribing at hellgatenyc.com. Our editorial team is Adlin Jackson, Nick Pinto, Christopher Robbins, Esther Wong, Katie Way, and me, Max Rivlin-Adler. Nadia Tykolsker is our business manager. Lauren Vespoli is our producer. Our theme music is by Groupwork. You can find their music on Bandcamp and all streaming platforms. The podcast is engineered by Crutch Frey Studio. For more Hellgate, subscribe to the Hellgate podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.